when I look at the political landscape and the economic landscape of the world, I really have a difficult time accepting that this is what life should be. We had so many concerns about education, technology, agriculture, Barbuda, health, the environment. You, you will be so surprised as to what they are engaged in. If we can do that, we can walk on that path, we will find a lot of solutions, we'll find a lot of adventures, we'll find a lot of answers. We need to foster that entrepreneurial spirit. No judgment, no negativity, all good vibes and conversations. All this and more, right here on Grassroots Radio. Hello listeners and subscribers. Welcome to another episode of Grassroots Radio. I am your host and founder of the new Grassroots, Yannique Bird. Yes, it's been a minute since we put one of these episodes out, but it's a real pleasure to be back and to be presenting to you today a very special episode about online privacy and data policy and how these things affect the way that we navigate our increasingly digital lives. This episode is based around a series of workshops and activities organized and funded by the Internet Society Foundation and delivered by Dr. Reese Farthing in December of 2022 at the National Public Library. The purpose of these workshops was to help sensitize youth, teachers, and other stakeholders to the challenges that we face as digital citizens attempting to navigate our increasingly online lives. Co-founder of the new grassroots, Vanella Francis, was in attendance at the workshop and had an opportunity to speak to a number of attendees to get their feedback, impressions, and lessons learned coming out of the three-day program. So what you'll be hearing in this episode are the highlights of those interviews conducted by Frenella. My hope is that by listening to this episode, you too can begin to get a sense of how these same policies and structures in the online world might be affecting you and those that you love and hopefully from there you can begin to take steps to mitigate any risk that you may not be comfortable taking. I hope this is a food for thought for you and if you do find the lessons here valuable in any way please consider sharing this episode. The more people who become aware of these issues is the better we're all going to become at navigating them. And with that, let's dive right in. First, we're going to hear from a number of students about whether this was the first time they had heard about, thought about, or talked about their data privacy. Was this workshop your first introduction to data privacy, data policy? It's not, not something new. I knew it was happening, but mm -hmm. the, the, the way they brought so it up. The extent. Yeah. Right, right, it's, right. It was actually scary for some parts, some parts, some mm -hmm. parts. But yeah. Did it make you feel um, vulnerable? Very. Oh no, I was aware of it before this happened. No, I always cared about my data privacy. Yeah. A couple of years ago, mm -hmm. we read the TOS for the first time. Uh -huh. Yeah, you can't go back after that. I did not know. It was this serious about mm -hmm. privacy. Mm -hmm. And I did not know that people private information was out in the open like that. I, really, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. I felt so vulnerable. This is my first time to data policy and stuff because I didn't. I don't think I did this in school. Okay. Since I came here, I started doing this. Yes. Okay. Never done it in school. You feel like it's something that should be taught in schools? Yes, miss. Yeah. For because students 
they be signing up on like the apps nowadays and they're not really reading mm -hmm. what's going on, but they're still signing up. What seems to have emerged is that some students had some awareness that their data was being collected in some way online. However, the extent of this data collection or data mining and exactly how that data was being utilized remained obscure to them until their participation in this workshop. But what exactly is data mining in this collection that we're talking about? Data mining is the process of extracting useful information from an accumulation of data, often from a data warehouse or a collection of linked data sets. Data mining is an important part of business intelligence. So the apps that we use in our everyday life, particularly social media apps, also act as data warehouses where information about us as users is collected in large data sets. Companies are then able to process and analyze these large data sets looking for trends that will predict anything from our behavior to our purchasing habits. And that can be used for marketing, but it can also be used for other more nefarious purposes, such as social engineering, nudging behavior in a particular direction. You may of course heard of recent scandals where social media data and platforms have been used to manipulate election cycles and outcomes. Many social media platforms are free, and because of this, their incentive to hold on to your data in a trustworthy and private manner is diminished because there are other actors out there who will pay significant amounts of money to have access to this data, which leads to another big problem of data being shared, sold, and brokered back and forth between not only social media platforms, but companies and potentially nefarious actors of all stripes. Now, let's hear what our students had to say upon discovering these new facts. When you learned that your data was being used for all of these things and that you don't really have much control over it, how did that make you feel? I was actually surprised. Yeah? Yeah. Because normally you wouldn't expect a big company like that mm -hmm. to like sell your data yeah. to other companies. Yeah, I don't mind the advertisements. I'm more worried of um the things that they don't talk about, like oh, okay. if they sell my data to um malicious people. Oh, okay, okay, that's 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 thought worthy. <laughs> How the fact that children, like young children, information is like out in the open for anyone to see mm -hmm. and you can share it with anyone mm -hmm. and it'll just get exposed just like that. Yeah, that's something I didn't even know, you know. Mm -hmm. um, did she explain more about like how, how they share that information with them? Yeah, by logging into like apps and... Instagram, Facebook, mm -hmm. TikTok, and those stuff, the information like goes out, mm -hmm. and you don't know what they're doing with your information, so just, yeah. So you think, you think they use your information for more than advertising? Yes. Yeah? Yeah? Because once you give all your email to them, randomly, your mm -hmm. email, just, you're just getting spam messages. Newsletters. Yes. Look. All kinds of stuff. <laughs> Hate them. The fact that they said that. 70 billion, if I can recall, for kids 13. Yeah, 70 billion and up for kids who's 13. 
they already have the information for kids who's 13 already. So imagine us now, who's like 20 stuff and over, have way more information than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. I, I didn't really know that. Yeah, I didn't. My know guess that, no. was about 20 something or 40 something, but I didn't know it was 70 billion. I feel like there's not as much as a protection over here than over there because 17. You're not an adult as yet. You can wait one more year for that. Because <laughs> 18 and older is most likely what everybody considers as an adult. And you have more rights and stuff. So I think they did the right thing for the 17 and under. Because it's mostly just kids just dancing on TikTok. Yeah. And they have like these predators all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Just looking and just watching. And they can even see a background where he lives and so mm-hmm. sometimes. That's so true. That's an issue. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think they did the right thing. Here... In Antigua, they need to do more of the privacy stuff mm-hmm. for age restriction and so. The main way I make myself feel private is by lying to myself, mainly about the fact that the information won't affect me too much in life later on. One teacher also shared her thoughts on how she saw the students responding to the new information um, as compared to other students who were not in attendance but who did share their thoughts via an online survey. For me, the thing that stood out to me is the openness of the students as it relates to well, their sensitivity about their data and how private it is or how it is utilized. You thought that in, you know, our youth, Mm-hmm. Navigating that space, it was just all about the service right. and accessing the service. Mm-hmm. But that um, concern about how their data mm-hmm. is utilized came out, mm-hmm. and it, I, I think, the conversation with regards to the digital footprint is mm-hmm. what evoked that greater level of sensitization or awareness for them. Uh, a survey was done online and the, the, the persons who participated in that survey, their, their level of concern about data privacy and online security was, was not very um, prominent as opposed to our students who are in the room and were exposed to the, the amount of data that is mined. Right, right. You know, their personal data that is mined whenever they are in that um, online space. So, they are, as I said, the greater awareness right. and sensitivity. Based on what we've heard so far, it could be said that the workshop has achieved its intended impact. That is educating and building awareness with young people about their online privacy and the risks that they encounter while doing their thing online. But that's only one part of the story. Beyond the general education, students were also engaged in activities to help empower them to think through how they would like to see companies behave in a better way online by outlining some do's and don'ts for Um, data use and data sharing. Our new grassroots representative, Vanilla Francis, also asked a few students about how their personal behavior would be changing knowing what they know now. Before we dive into all that great stuff, let's hear the definition of privacy that the students actually came up with during the course of this workshop. 
the definition of privacy that we came up with in the the workshop was privacy is the protection of your private information from others and concealing your data that you don't want others to get. Also, privacy may make you feel a sense of safety and comfortability knowing your information is safe with you. What were some of the do's and don'ts that you wrote um, on those sticky notes? Do you remember any of them? Um, for do's, I wrote that they should use, uh, like if they're going to use our information, let us know about it and it's supposed to only use it if it's going to benefit us in a positive way. Right, like, right. That's, that's very helpful, actually. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, um, what were some of the don'ts? I didn't write any don't, but I don't want them to share my information with anybody else. For my don'ts, I put reduce ads and stop giving out information without the person's consent. Stop sharing information. And for my do's, I will put strong password. That companies should not profit off of one's data, That one of the do's was to make companies give us the options to um to say or choose what to do with our data. Mm -hmm. Should be one of the do's, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Delete your data, well, should have the right to delete your own data. Tell me what you're going to use my information for. Uh -huh. It's not going to affect me much, but I at least want to know mm -hmm. what it's going to be used for. And secondly, only take the information you need. You do not need my face. So what do you think you'd do differently now, like if you're signing up for some another platform that happens to pop up? After this. Yeah? After you know all of this information. I might read this still might right. read it. Might. There's a very high possibility by not reading it. Mm. I won't give out my information unless it's unless it's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, I will for sure make my password stronger mm -hmm. and not use no one, two, three. No lord. <laughs> have to be mindful because they have some information that you don't want to be like get out there mm -hmm. you have to be mindful of what you actually put into the app right so now i know that i need to I take said, more to precaution right about securing my data i think i should actually start reading the policies before because right. i don't normally read them need to me <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever read those terms and conditions before signing up? No. No? <laughs> no. That never happened, never. Never? No. You didn't feel like it was necessary or you just didn't know where to find it? it I didn't feel it was necessary, honestly. Normal people, we literally don't read it at all. We literally just pass it. And try to get my stuff more secure mm -hmm. and put it in private because I don't normally put my stuff in private either. Right. So, yeah. Right. I guess... You didn't really feel like you needed to. No, I didn't. Right, right. In IT information technology, I learned quite a bit about it, such as firewalls, passwords, still stuff like that to protect our data. Yeah, I think I'll like read through most of the privacy stuff mm -hmm. before accepting and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, if not, I don't agree, I'll just delete the app that I'm trying to send into and stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, well, we saw today that even when you delete the app, it doesn't your information is still stuck there on the app. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of concerned of. Does it make you feel like, well, I don't want to use these apps anymore if I don't know what they're doing with my data? Not really. Yeah, I'll pay attention more. 
me, I would try my best to learn more the coding stuff. Mm-hmm. Try put in some more. If I can get more higher up in the businesses or stuff, I like put more laws and rules if mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I'm gonna try do that mm-hmm. if it's possible. So, yeah. While it's clear that students are definitely coming away from this workshop with a better idea of how to manage their data footprint, this is not exactly a fun topic to contemplate for any amount of time. And this is where I think the workshop organizers showed great foresight in their planning because the students were also treated to an artificial intelligence demonstration as well as lessons on coding in Java, which helped to offset some of the negative emotion that may have come up around the primary topics of the workshop, as well as leaving some students very excited about the prospect of how they could use these tools to enhance their online experience. Let's hear what they had to say about these aspects of the workshop. The AI tools that we saw today with the um, that was able to generate a short story or faces and stuff, well, pictures rather. Um, how do you feel about those types of tools? Those could be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they should be very helpful. Like, for instance, not really good at English or something. Mm-hmm. You can just type it in and see it. And if you don't want to plagiarize it or use it, you can just look at it as an example and just copy it in your own words, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. Because we definitely don't want to plagiarize. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Anything else that was, that was shared during the workshop that you was um, shocking or exciting? The, the coding part. The coding part? Yeah. <laughs> How was that for you? It was great. Mm-hmm. First time ever coding. Oh, you think you'll do it again? Next time for school, yeah. Next time? Yeah. Yesterday, the AI stuff that I seen with the face tracking and biometric stuff, yeah, that, that, that's not it up to me. It's like a coding stuff, they coded a face mm-hmm. onto the stuff and it like tracks the face and it shows like there's dots and stuff mm-hmm. and it have it there on the screen shows and it uses the camera and so to show you how your face looks with the dots on it. So I always saw videos of them on YouTube, mm-hmm. AI-generated images, so I was always curious of that. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful day, a wonderful opportunity to, you know, use them. What about the, um, the, the copy, the, the one that um, could make a whole story for you? Do you think it's something you'll use? <laughs> well, no, for legal reasons, no. Oh. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think... I don't know. I've always, I never knew about stuff like that. I think, I, I hope none of my colleagues at school know that. Uh, so I'm going to start doubting their stories. Do you feel like those AI apps are also using data um, against the will of the people who are putting their data out online? Well, not really, since I haven't seen any signing up onto it. Mm-hmm. They just type in a sentence and it just... Gives you a whole paragraph and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. You don't have to put in anything. Yeah. Okay. So where do you think they get the data from to give it back to you like that? I really don't know, but if I had to guess, I would think like 
they pick and choose from different stories online mm -hmm. and just like put those together mm -hmm. with the questions that we have. Do you feel like they are those AI things that we've seen? They are getting the information safely or legally or? Well, definitely. I don't think they are. I think they're just randomly collected without the consent of the creators. Maybe they edit it, but that doesn't really help because it's still the artist's work, the artist's work, and they're just taking it without credit too, which is terrible. But as the world becomes more modernized, things get much easier. Mm -hmm. I can find all my textbooks online, which I think That's is great. And it costs like hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I find them just by the click of a button. It's incredible. Yes, yes, and you it can is find incredible. SBA outlines so you can easily, you know, just not really copy, but mm -hmm. take inspiration. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. Yeah, and even now, when I graduate, all the other younger ones will now have like everything at their disposal. Like everything, like test answers, just maths, games, everything they'll have. And I don't necessarily have that at the moment. Along with the benefits of any technological innovation also comes a myriad of downsides. The internet is no exception to this rule. And because the internet is more than just one thing, it's the connectivity, it's the smartphones, it's the apps, it's the websites, it's everything. There are so many potential ways for young people especially to get into trouble and cause potentially lifelong issues for themselves when trying to figure out how to navigate this space. The best strategy we have for arming our young people against these potential pitfalls is to build their awareness and their discernment so that they can make good decisions in an increasingly complex landscape. But of course, all the responsibility cannot be placed on the individuals. This is an issue that needs a national level dialogue and even a global level dialogue. In closing, I'm going to leave you with a longer bit of interview with Dr. Reese Farthing, who was the organizer and main presenter of this workshop series. She will speak more to why this workshop was developed and deployed, and as well as putting what we've seen here in Antigua and Barbuda into a global context, as this is a series that has taken place in multiple countries and is part of a larger research project about how youth globally see themselves, their privacy, and their digital footprints in the larger scheme of things. So here is Fidela Francis in dialogue with Dr. Reese Farthing. Do you feel like the reactions you got from the young people um, in these different areas were the same? Do you think some people responded better or worse? Look, they were different. Um, mm -hmm. So there were some similarities. So mm -hmm. whenever we spoke to young people in depth about what was going on with their online um, data and, and their mm -hmm. sense of privacy, they all knew that something wasn't quite right. right. Um, they all sort of had an understanding that this isn't, this isn't how they wanted things to be. Mm -hmm. um, what was different in each country, in each site that we worked in, um, was the level to which that had been normalised right. or the level to which it was understood. Um, so in, for example, in some countries, in Australia, where mm -hmm. we did a research site, mm -hmm. um, there was an absolute awareness of what was going on, mm -hmm. an awareness that it wasn't right and we want to change. Okay. But absolute resignation 
mm-hmm. that this was just how it was and that change wasn't possible. So when we were saying, look, do you think we should try? Do you mm-hmm. think we could get laws up? They're like, nothing will change. This is just what you have to do. This is what oh happens if gosh. you want to be able to, you know, live in the online world. Oh, no. Um, like, they've completely lost hope. You yeah, just <laughs> couldn't even imagine, like, the sort of imaginary, like, the mm-hmm. sort of... The, that we don't have to live in a world where your privacy is violated every day was just not open. Wow. Um, whereas when we worked with young people in Slovenia, they were mm-hmm. absolutely aware again that there was a problem, that, that something needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a strong sense that actually something could be done, mm-hmm. that actually changes could be made, that the world could be different. Right. Um, and so I think what, what I've seen is actually the different context that young people live in mm-hmm. um, has produced different levels of... Um, almost digital resignation um, mm-hmm. or digital awareness about sort of what was going on and, mm-hmm. and what I tie that to or what how I see those differences coming about is um, because of I think almost socio-political settings mm-hmm. so I think Slovenian young people mm-hmm. were really aware that things could change yeah. because Slovenia is part of Europe and they've got strong regulations so mm-hmm. those young people are like oh we've already seen how this can happen we've right. already seen how it can make change okay. whereas in Australia they were very aware of what was happening because they've got a strong education mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in Australia around data privacy mm-hmm. data security right. online safety that's part of the curriculum mm-hmm. but what we don't have in Australia is data privacy laws. So there wasn't that ability to imagine that things could change. Right. Um, and so what we're actually seeing, I think, is this global sense among young people that something's mm-hmm. not right. Right. Um, but these socio-culturally located understandings mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of what to do or what can be done about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was actually one young lady I spoke to. She doesn't have any accounts on any social media platform. Um, and, I mean, she... She knew some bits about data privacy based on like what she would have learned in school, but she said it was mostly just limited to um, how to create a secure password and um, how to use a firewall. But she felt like when you guys shared just how much her data is being used and manipulated, she felt vulnerable, she felt concerned. Um, and uh, it makes her just never want to have to sign up for any of these accounts in the future because she doesn't feel like she will be able to change anything at that point. And what a terrible position to put a young person in. I mean, I always say I work in this space and Mm -hmm. I I talk to young people about the risks all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. But the answer can't be for young people not to use this world, not to be in social media. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's risks, but there's huge opportunities, right? Like we live in 2022, it's a digital (laughs) world. Social media can be brilliant for young people. Like Mm -hmm. we saw in in the pandemic and lockdowns Mm -hmm. how it gave young people like leisure pursuits, how it kept them in touch with their friends, how people used it for education and PE went on to YouTube in the UK (laughs) and stuff. We've seen it has these huge potentials. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we need to do is work out how to minimise the risks and Mm -hmm. maximise these potentials because it can't be up to individual young people. It Mm -hmm. just can't be that they're the front line of defence of privacy, Mm -hmm. that they have to make the secure passwords, that they have to make the decisions Mm -hmm. of how much are they prepared to trade off their rights, their right to privacy versus their right to engage in the digital world. That's just not a fair position to put a young person in. It's true. It's true. It's not at all, at all. Um, Actually, when I was listening to the last um, session you had with them, 
I didn't know that after you deleted your account, they still kept your your data. I did I didn't know that. That's that's that blew my mind. I was like, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what do I do now? And again, that's variable mm. difference. So in yeah. in Europe, um, and in parts of the US, mm -hmm. you have the right to delete data. Oh. So if we delete an account and we say delete my data, they have to delete your data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist elsewhere. And again, you start to see the impact of of regulation and reforms pushing in and saying actually we can protect our young people we can protect our data better mm. um, we've just got to we've got to work out how to do it <laughs> and it takes a it takes a global movement almost i think to get it done what's striking to me is that it has these data movements are happening in different countries but the platforms themselves don't necessarily feel like okay maybe we should be looking out for the best interest of these people that are using the platform mm. that kind of that kind of scares me a little bit because if like what does that tell me what does that tell them or mm. the users that you don't actually care is is that what it is right <laughs> what would be the next step after speaking to um the young people and educating them about this what's the next step yeah, that's such a good question. So the aim of this research, I think, was to really try and capture young people's voices and put mm -hmm. them front and centre in the discussions that are happening about regulation at the moment. Okay. All around the world, we've got governments who are talking about how to better protect data okay. for children and young people. Mm -hmm. And there's also some global movements and some regional movements as well. Mm -hmm. um, and as all these governments get together and talk about what can we do, what can't we do, mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important that the experiences of young people mm -hmm. as much as they can are foregrounded, mm -hmm. served up and, and brought into these debates. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to try and do is we capture all of our, all of the expertise mm -hmm. of these young people, all of their thoughts, all of their ideas, um, and we present them to decision makers in as many ways as we possibly can. Yeah, so I we're, see that. <laughs> we're really open to ideas mm -hmm. about how to how and where to send them, but we're going okay. to, to get them heard as widely as we can, mm -hmm. including internationally, because this was an international study. Right. We thought it was really important that we hear from young people in mm -hmm. this region in particular, because you very rarely hear from young people from small island states to very start true. with, and very rarely um, from the CARICOM region, and so we wanted to make sure that some of their voices were included. Mm -hmm. um, and so we will, we will be, you know, um, hollering them as loudly as we can in various places. Um, if, if any of your listeners have thoughts about where we could send them as well, please uh, let us know. You're meeting with teachers tomorrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How different do you think those um, discussions are going to be with the teachers? Probably similar mm -hmm. in terms of like they'll have similar concerns. Yeah. Um, but very different challenges. Mm -hmm. So, as we know, you are tied to a curriculum, yeah. you are tied to a timetable, exam rotation. Mm -hmm. So, you have very little time, mm -hmm. and I don't know exactly how much time they have for an IT lesson, like, for the whole academic year. Mm -hmm. But if you think it's not going to be very much, is it? they've got right. to get all the other subjects in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually the principal lesson where they deal with digital and data privacy. Even right. in things like the UK, it's very similar. Computer yeah. science lessons are the, you know, the, the funnel for this type of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So how can we remap mm -hmm. these ideas of data and digital privacy mm -hmm. so they fit into the, the current curriculum? curriculum? Mm -hmm. And then obviously, I think potentially what they would probably like mm -hmm. or maybe think about is newer curriculums. Mm. And different ways of looking at how we 
ensure that students and teachers know that mm -hmm. knowledge? Yeah, um, when you said um, the short space of time, like I went to Christ King and we finished at three. Most of the government schools, most of the other schools, they finish at 1.30. Yeah. Um, and our periods were so short, yeah. you know. Um, I was wondering how other people <laughs> were learning things in a shorter space of time, you know. So I can see the concern with, um, with, with time and being actually being able to reach them. And then you've also got, they need training. They ah. need space and time mm -hmm. to think about these challenges. Right, that is true. You need to think about how they're going to teach them. Mm -hmm. And so they've got to learn not only the content, but mm -hmm. the questions that might come from the students so they can mm -hmm. you know, navigate this through. So that's the other thing that we have very little time for is our own wow. personal yeah. professional development. Oh, jeez. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it is true. If you're going to teach, you got to know. Yeah. <laughs> What struck me from the process of doing the, the sort of workshop that we held with young people was very much the, the interconnectedness of young people's rights and particularly their rights to the digital world. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about privacy and trust and technology, but there's an equal, um, equally important issue, particularly in regions like this, around accessing sure that the digital world is accessible to young people because it's one right. thing to have these wonderful worlds that, that are trustworthy and function in their best interests um, but actually we also need to make sure that they're equally accessible for young people mm -hmm. um, and so there's a whole there's a whole world of children's rights in the digital world that we need to try and realize mm -hmm. and hopefully this is just a little part of the beginning hey do we think we're private online no Thank you for listening to this episode of Grassroots Radio. If you enjoyed the conversation, show some love and help spread the word. You can do that by subscribing on Apple, Google, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Already subscribed? Consider leaving a five-star review. It helps other people find the show. If you have an idea for someone you want to see featured or a topic you want us to cover, let us know. DM us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at grassrootsanu or email us at thenewgrassroots at gmail.com. For more about NGR, visit us at thenewgrassroots.com. Until next time, this is... Grassroots Radio.